Look at this crack team of pet chat individuals. <laughs> Dr. Kimberly Earl, double duty for you. You were here last week, but it was only us last week. It was just us, but we've got Cheryl Shaw back this week. Cheryl, mm. welcome back, love. How oh, are you? Thank you. It's lovely to be back here. Now, that means, Kimberly, we're on a Cheryl's brooch watch immediately. Brooch so watch, yeah. We've got to find out what it is. It looks like, uh, like a... a a pin, like a, mm-hmm. a with a safety pin. Thank you, that's the word. <laughs> mm-hmm. With a bunch of Monopoly pieces hanging off there. Am I right? Am I close? <laughs> I thought we were going for a Beatrix Potter theme here, but uh, okay. Yeah. Well, what are the little charms that are on it? We've got a watering bucket, a little wheelbarrow, a rabbit, and a shovel. Uh huh. Sounds like springtime gardening. Mm-hmm. Mm. Gardening and your pets today. Oh, we're looking forward to some of that. Plus your calls, so we can answer them. Or not me, they can answer them right now. <laughs> the ladies will. Uh, I know we've got a couple of calls coming through, so we'll get to those in a sec here. But ladies, I know the news was on a couple of minutes ago, and microchipping was kind of in the news a little bit. A decent time of the year to be looking at it, but also making sure that all the details are up to date. How often is this a problem? Oh, all the time. We would get, um, I don't know, between two and four strays that come into our clinic every week. Uh, and I would say 50% of the time, the microchip details that, well, if the pet is microchip, 50% of the mm. time when we um, log into the registry to try to contact them, the, the microchip details are not up to date or the person who answers the phone is no longer the owner. Um, so really, really important that if you um, acquire a new pet, that you make sure that their microchip details on the, it's a New South Wales registry. Um, so we don't really have the ability to change any details. If we microchip, if we physically put a microchip into a puppy or a kitten we put those details on the registry the first time but um, vet clinics can't actually change those details you need to speak to your local council about that um, but really important if you move if you get a new mobile phone even if you get a new email address it's helpful to contact the council update those uh, details so that we can get in touch with you if your pet does um, you know get brought into us as a stray um, and because otherwise the only option we have is to call the rangers uh, and get mm. them to pick up the pet we're not allowed to hold, you know, uh, pets that aren't injured, essentially. Because that's the thing, isn't it? You could be thinking, well, my dog's gone walkabout. Oh, I've got a microchip. So thankfully, when someone finds said dog, mm. it'll come back to me. But then not realising if you haven't got the details are up to date, it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And it's really common for us to find um, that often the pets are microchipped in the breeder's name still. Usually these are backyard breeders, mm. people who aren't necessarily proficient with the system, um, but it's really hard to get your pet, your dog back to you, your mm. cat back to you if, if we haven't got the details up to date. Yeah. It's pretty important. All right. Mm. Um, now, I think this might be the first time. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Been hanging around Pet Chat for a little while now, ladies. <laughs> this could be the first time that we've had a question about a duck. A duck? I think oh, it could we've be. we've had some bird questions in the past, but, but maybe not, not a, duck. a duck. G'day, Grant at Madawi. Uh, you're looking for a prosthetic leg. What's going on? Yeah, he, Arthur broke his leg, but I didn't know he'd broke it. And then he was walking around on it, and then he, he's actually snapped the bone off completely and put it up through his where his knee joins. Okay. So I had to cut it off. And I've been trying to find someone that makes prosthetic legs for him, but I just can't find no one. Yeah. Um, that's because they're really very, very um, unsuccessful. There was the... Who was the super vet over in the UK? I think tried to do this once, but really the only way to make that work um, is to do it as a um, an integrated bone insert, where you actually like you uh, attach the peg 
through the skin onto the bone. You'd actually have to do like a, um, a bone fusion with um, with proper orthopedic things. There's there's no way to attach. Um, the prosthetic is the problem. Um, but even when they do them that way, those those bio-integrated um, prosthetics, unfortunately, they go really, really poorly. Um, and, and, you know, ducks that are one-legged, unfortunately, <coughs> do really, really poorly as well because they tend to get really severe bumblefoot in the remaining... Um, in the remaining foot and leg, um, and it's debilitating and, and quite painful. So they actually have a really poor prognosis, um, and I don't think you'll find anywhere that does a, a prosthetic leg, and it's not really something that we would recommend from a welfare standpoint. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, it's um, pretty tricky. Yeah, so it sounds like it. Oh, <laughs> um, so just let him run around on one leg for a while. For a little while, if you, if you feel he's good and the wound's not infected um, and he's, you know, able to, to feed himself and move around and things like that, but I think it's um, it's quite likely that it'll be a short-term solution because he's likely to get really um, really painful and sore on the other leg. Thank you so much, Grant. 49216216, if you have a question for our Pet Chat team today, we'll uh, in the next few minutes take a look at uh, summer and springtime fun, Cheryl, won't we? Some working in the garden. Well, exactly. Yeah. That's fun. That's fun. That's fun. I enjoy it. All right. Uh, to pet chat on 2NURFM 103.7. Dr. Kimberly Earl is here, as is Cheryl Shaw. Cheryl, uh, some things to watch out for in the garden for our pets at this time of year. Yeah, this is a pretty busy time of the year for most people who enjoy gardening. So you've got to think about your pets when you're out gardening. If you're going to be digging and you've got a young puppy and hasn't experienced you digging, it might be an idea not to have your puppy with you while you're digging. Just because when you're t- turning over the soil, a lot of things happen. There's a lot of new smells, a lot of odours that puppies are attracted to. And so you might take your puppy out and he smells this and starts eating around at the garden and the soil. And this can sometimes cause a lot of problems for puppies and, and dogs as well. If you've been fertilising and you've put some fertiliser around, the puppy is going to be encouraged by the smells and and often will ingest that um, fertiliser. They're often in pellet form, like, um, you know, chicken poo is one Mm -hmm. of the the problematic Mm -hmm. ones that we see because um, the dogs just love to eat it. And straight up it looks like food. Yeah, it does. It's pelleted, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's easy for them to consume large amounts when it's in pellet form, and this can actually cause a lot of problems with it compacting into the stomach and the bowel. That happens with some puppies, doesn't it, Kimberly? It can, yeah. Yeah. So what we want to make sure is that they don't have access to the fertilisers. Some puppies also, and dogs, will love the smell and roll in it and become quite smelly, so this is something you, you also want to avoid. Another problem is that we start, at this time of the year, thinking about weed control and spraying. So if you are spraying, make sure that your pet is inside so that they're not being, you know, sort of contaminated by the um, the different poisons that can um, sort of obviously cause problems. And people start using different types of mulches and this is an area, again, where we need to make sure that the dog isn't eating the pine bark or, in some cases, rocks because different people use different substrata to put down to, you know, sort of avoid weeds growing through but also to make the yard look attractive. And rocks are a thing that a lot of dogs just can't help but put in their mouth and then (laughs) chew them. And, Kimberly, this is a big problem because they don't pass through properly. Not if they're big. No. Little pebbles are usually okay. But, um, yeah, we get some dogs that just become really, really fixated on on chewing and swallowing rocks. Um, I have one of those. 
Um, oh. <laughs> and they can, you know, they can get into really big trouble. We, we will x-ray a dog sometimes that has five or six big rocks in the stomach and they can't get out. Um, and they're just sitting in the stomach causing problems. Or even worse, they get out of the stomach into the intestines. But the intestine being a much smaller diameter, they block up there. And then you've got a, a you know, a real problematic um, obstruction. Yeah. So making mm. sure if you are thinking about using different, you know, sort of materials in the garden, think about what your dog does. If it's a dog that mm. picks up things, you know, and, and eats them, this will be a, a thing you need to avoid. Another thing is at this time of the year, we're often planting young seedlings and putting around snail baits. Now, there's some really toxic snail baits out there, but there are some that, um, if you read the labels, that are safe. And this is the thing that we really need to be making sure that whatever you're putting out in the garden to, to kill anything, that it's not going to kill your pet. Snail bait is really attractive to, uh, attractive to dogs to eat. And um, obviously, it's very, very toxic in most cases. So mm -hmm. look at what the packaging is. Again, rats are a really around at the moment and yeah. rat baits are notorious for killing dogs so make sure that if you are using these things that you've got them in a situation that your pet can't get to them you know monitor it really closely in the garden because we're often so busy we don't think about those things we put around and mm -hmm. we just think oh yep yeah, you know I've put some bait there and everything's fine but then the dog goes out or it goes to an area it hasn't been before sniffs out these things and they've got fantastic noses they just are able to find mm. these things and eat them so my advice is when you're gardening to um, you know keep your pet away from that area make sure that those products that you're using are really safe that they're not going to you know impact on your dog mm -hmm. and there's um there's you know, lots of toxins, like you said, snail bait. Even the ones that say that they're safe uh, or pet safe, they're safer, but we still want to be really cautious yeah. um, with them. If you know that your dog is going to go um, straight where you've put them down, you you probably need to keep the dog out of that area for a few days. Um, the problem we have with rat baits, people don't understand. So with a, with a snail bait, with a proper snail bait toxicity, those dogs will get sick ASAP within 30 to 40 minutes. Um, but with a rat bait toxicity, it'll be days before you see any clinical signs of it. Um, and so, you know, your dog might have ingested a little bit and people will often say, oh, well, I watched him for an hour or two and he didn't seem to have any trouble, so I thought he was okay. But we won't actually see the clinical signs of rat bait toxicity for a minimum of three to five days and it can take as long as 10 days if they've only ingested a small amount but even a small amount can be quite um, can be quite dangerous and fatal for them um, the other thing is blood and bone meal yes. um, blood and bone meal is really um, problematic the dogs again like it they like to sniff it out um, but can cause problems with um, you know bacterial infections and things like that in the gut diarrhea is really um, is really challenging um, and um, and then just be mindful of what you're planting in the garden because we have lots of toxic plants, you know, sago palms and things like that that are um, um, really poisonous. So if you're revamping your backyard, your garden, you know, be careful, be, be pet friendly uh, in terms of what you choose to put in there. And uh, we're sticking with Madawi, ladies. That's that's the hotbed of pet activity today. Excellent. <laughs> uh, Dr. Kimberly or Cheryl Shaw is here as well, along with you, Kath and Madawi. Uh, oh, you have a couple of fox terrier pups. What's happening? Yeah, oh, and some foxies. <laughs> They're gorgeous little fellas. They're only four months old, uh, and the sweetest little natures. But they they play fight, and then it turns into a real fight. And I'm just a bit worried about it. Someone, a few people have said to me, if you get uh, a couple of miles from the same litter, 
it may be a problem down the track. I mean, I will be getting them dissexed when they're old enough, and I'm thinking, well, will that help eventually? Or, I mean, it's full on. It's really full on. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, four months old. So there's 16 to probably 16 to 18 weeks, and that is, um, you know, the height of where puppies will do rough play and they're learning how to, um, oh, yeah. you know, uh, you know, do do biting appropriately and how to do social interaction. It is always more problematic having. Um, two dogs from the same litter. Um, they don't sort of have the same social barriers. So it's really, really important that you work with them individually and take them out and, you know, work on, on training individually one-on-one. Um, and ideally, you'd get them, you know, out and socializing with um, other dogs when their litter mate isn't around. So, you know, adult dogs that are unrelated um, and get them to be interacting one-on-one because they probably do need somebody else to sort of tell them, actually, you're not behaving appropriately. They it's a little bit like, you know, children, you know, you have two little boys and they can get themselves worked up to a point where, you know, the play is, is has gone from being friendly play to like now they're pummeling each other. Oh, um, really? yeah. So, you know, time, time out, like, you know, give them time out, separate them if they are getting um, overwrought. It's the time of when they're going to be pretty boisterous and, and playing pretty rough anyway. Um, yes, yeah. And hopefully, I realize that. It's just that it frightens me when they become so aggressive. You mean, yeah. oh, the teeth are out and it's just full on, you know? Absolutely. So that's when you yeah. want to try to separate them and, and just yep. give them some time out and um, let them sort of cool out, cool off, and, and just sort of, you know, reintroduce them once they're calm again. Um, yep. They probably haven't got their adult teeth yet. So they're, you know, probably no. it is still puppy play, but it's very, you know, boisterous and vigorous. So trying to distract them, you know, with a toy so that instead of just wrestling, um, um, you know, maybe they can do a little bit of running around, do a bit of chases again, you know, play, mm-hmm. chase a ball or something like that. Um, yep. And yeah, and just sort of see how you go. But one-on-one work, <laughs> it's definitely harder. Desexing them, um, you know, the behaviors you're seeing are not testosterone field. They're, they're yep. going to be too young for that. Yeah. So um, mm. while we would still recommend desexing them, um, you know, this is this is probably still within the bounds of normal puppy socialization, but they haven't got a mother dog there necessarily to put them in their place and say, you know, stop it, boys, you're getting out of hand. Um, so you, you're going to have to do that and just separate them and help them to be calm. Oh, is that, why is it a, is it the, the problem with the, the same litter biz, you know? Why is it from that? Do well, you know, like the two males from the same litter, why um, isn't, would it be the same with two females from the same litter? Or? Yes. Uh, hang on, Kimberly. I think I got this one. Okay. <clears throat> Kath? Yeah. Think, think young boys, brothers. That's your problem right there. I accidentally broke yeah. my brother's arm when we were playing around once, sent him to the hospital. <laughs> so that's your problem. You've got the dog version of that. Yeah. And, and it's not it's not really to do with sex or gender. It's to do with um, two dogs of the same um, age, the same development yep. um, stage from the same litter so they don't yeah. have the same, you know, barriers, social barriers. You know, like I would expect that two two little boys in the same family will behave differently to each other than two little boys from separate families, right? You put oh, okay. them together in a social environment and they just don't have... There's, there's still some... Um, I don't know what you would even say. Boundaries, I guess. The boundaries are different. Um, and But just having puppies, two puppies of the same age in general, um, you know, that's always going to be a harder task to, to ensure that they're well-trained yeah, and well-socialised anyway. I did that years ago with a, mm. with a brother and a sister, and they were brilliant, you know. There was never yeah. this aggression towards each other. And I thought I'd do the same thing this time, get two from the litter, the same litter, so they'd have each other to play with. <laughs> I've got two older, I've got two yeah. older girls. Um, one six and one four. They're both foxes as well. Mm. 
um, and they, they're getting driven mad by these two little buggers at the minute because they imagine. just want to play and they're in their face all the time. Yeah. Okay, so I've just got to I've just got to be the mother and break this up and totally them down. Yeah. Yep. Okay, love. <laughs> all right, best of luck, Kath. Quick one up on the roads before we keep moving here. Uh, Maud Street at Mayfield West at, uh, at Maitland Road there. An accident with a truck and a car giving you some uh, pretty ordinary traffic problems if you're heading out of Newcastle through Mayfield West there back as far as Tool Street. So maybe avoid that area if you can for today. Uh, continuing with Pet Chat now, Phil at Sunshine. You have a dog and lawn question, Phil. Uh, yes, I do. Um we have a, a, a cooch lawn which has become infested with all sorts of weeds. And it's been suggested that we spray it with a product called Bindi. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a Border Collie dog. Yep. I'm just wondering what precautions should I take? So usually um, what the recommendation is, so most of those products... Um, <coughs> Once they're dry, so if you spray the lawn and then you give them the afternoon, let them dry, most of the time after that they'll be fine, unless you know that your dog is a gardener and he's going to go and start chewing on the grass and things like that. Um, the the irritation that we often see comes from, you know, when they're on fresh sprayed grass, when the, the chemicals directly coming in contact with their paws wet. Um, you know, so I think most of the time the the... Weed killers are not directly toxic to dogs, provided that they're not ingesting it. And so once you spray it and let them dry, so usually if my husband will spray, um, he has to do the front lawn and the back lawn on separate days so that if he sprayed the back lawn, the dog can go to the toilet on the front lawn and vice versa. Um, but I'm usually pretty good, you know, after 24 hours, we're pretty happy as long as it's had a chance to dry that, um, that they can go back out there. Okay, I can work that because I can. Um, I've got two yards, and I can I can close the gate off. Yep, yep. So that'll work. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Had a few interesting ones today, ladies, and still plenty of time to fire up a few more as well. Absolutely, we'll answer anything you've got. Anything you got? Yeah, the pet dog, cat, duck today, pet hubby. Someone's going to take that project pet on. <laughs> What do you reckon, Cheryl? Leave that oh, one for I don't you. know. I don't know about that one. I don't so do people. You've got no. one. You've got one at home. So eat. You <laughs> yeah, know. we do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, dog and cat of the week. But we'll start with the cats because there's more of them today. Skylar and Magic. Now, they can be adopted separately, but uh, we'd love to see them both go off as a pair. They are siblings. Magic. There's a little boy. He's a little shy with new folks around, but getting his confidence up. Skylar, a little affectionate boy as well, but still also a bit shy. So, uh, ladies, what do you reckon? A couple of cats together, a couple of kitty cats? Oh, they're just lovely. Yeah, they're really good. So unlike puppies, where we don't <laughs> usually recommend getting more than one puppy at a time. See last caller here. Cats <laughs> cats do really well. You can you can easily get two kittens together and they will um, do really, really well. And cats really thrive in an environment where they've got a, um, a pet, uh, not a pet, but a sibling pet, um, provided that they, you know, like each other from the start. So it's really easy to get two young cats who are already bonded, who like each other, much harder to get one cat and then try to introduce another cat down the track. That That is often fraught with danger. Um, but these two cats already know each other. They're already bonded. Um, and it's not actually much harder to have two cats in a household than it is to have one, and they'll be really happy together. Yeah, and between that, between the two of them, surely you get one of them will want to sit on your lap at one time. I'm sure <laughs> they think will, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice black and white number. You can check them out at our website as well. Yep. Um, we'll move on to the dog this time. We've got Spot, the six-month-old Border Collie. 
so the short version here, you, you need a family that can actually spend some time with him. Yeah, Border Collie, anything, needs to have a lot of exercise. So you're going to want to have a, um, a yard with a bit of room or at least some place that you can take them for nice long walks and, and close by, hopefully, some off-lead time once we're appropriately trained. This is a six-month-old Border Collie cross, um, so she's probably got some training yet to go. She's actually a female, um, cute little eye patch, love the little brown eye patch. Um, and it looks like she's got an interest in ball chasing and stuff already. So very much high so. energy. Yeah, very much so. Uh, tug of war, fetch, all that sort of thing. Loves the uh, daily car rides as well. Mm. So if you got uh, if you got some kids, you you know take got to pick up the, the school run. The dog will be love loving that as well. Also likes being up close with the human people as well. So again, perhaps as with all anything border collie, you just got to have the time beyond put into them. Yep, that's right. They're they're a herding dog. They have high energy levels. Um, they will not be happy as couch potato dogs, and you will find your life is unhappy because your dog is unhappy. All right, that is uh, Spot. And, of course, we have Skyla and Magic the Cat. You can check them out at our website at the Pet Chat area on our website, tourfm.com.au. Pet Chat, Cheryl Shaw and Dr. Kimberly Earl, who just remembered a couple of things from Cheryl's gardening chat a little while ago. You just, yeah, just I had, a, back up into I had a thought and then I lost it. Um, and we were talking about spraying gardens and things that are toxic and not toxic. Um, and so one of the things to be really mindful of, if you have pet rabbits, um, so some of the insecticide sprays that are commonly in use, you can buy them at Bunnings, things like that, they actually have an active ingredient, which is fipronil. And fipronil is really, really toxic to rabbits. Um, and so if you do have rabbits or even guinea pigs out in the backyard and you're using, um, you know, insecticide sprays um, or lawn sprays, because these guys are actually ingesting. It's not a dog or a cat where, um, you know, they're just walking on the grass. But rabbits and guinea pigs will actually be ingesting the grass. So you do need to be a little bit more careful. Uh, if you have a rabbit, definitely steer clear of any insecticide sprays that have fipronil on them. Um, and if you do have rabbits and guinea pigs and you need to spray your grass in that instance I would wait until you've had a good rain shower before you put the rabbits and guinea pigs on it so we talked about leaving the sprays to dry 24 hours if it's just a dog or a cat but in the case of a rabbit you don't really want those eating them um, and so wait till the rain you know has come and gone um, and then you can put them back out and same with birds because I often encourage people to you know give um, seeded grasses and stuff to birds um, but we don't want to do that if you've had um, you know something sprayed so um, you can pick it and you can run it under a tap and that'll be fine um, or wait for the rain. All right. And uh, last up, Cheryl, while we're still into the garden, those other horrible creatures, <laughs> uh, if they're not out already, they'll be out the next little bit, the snakes. Yeah, the snakes. There's been a couple spotted here at the university sunbaking, so just be aware that they could be around your home as well, particularly if your pet's paying, you know, going to an area and barking or you know, just looking yeah. for it. These are, these are the days where the snakes are coming out during the day to start warming up and then they'll still be mm. going away. They're not super, super active, but, um, yeah, baby snakes will be coming out soon too and they are actually really, really toxic. Those little guys are born with some pretty deadly stuff in their system. So, um, yeah, be on the lookout for snakes, particularly as we're getting into the warmer days. Yeah, I mean, up towards the weekend, we're over 30 and uh, next next week we are into the 30s mm. for a lot of the week. So yep. uh, they will uh, awaken from their slumber, shall we say. Absolutely, mm. yep. All right, ladies, that's just about it. We are done. Dr. Thank Kim Wheel, thank you. Cheryl, thank we'll you. see you next week. Another brooch, another topic, eh? Okay, no worries. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.